Good morning. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 1 and from verse 15 to verse 23, which is on page uh, 1173 in the Red Church Bibles. Uh, the, so Simon has been leading us through uh, the first uh, section in Ephesians, and he's been uh, explaining to us how, uh, how blessed we are, how good it is to be uh, in Christ. And uh, Paul, in the next section of Ephesians, uh, is going to carry on on that theme. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Get your Bibles open back in Ephesians chapter 1. Five might even be falling open there by now. Fourth week in this chapter, fourth and final. And it's great to see you this morning. Great to have visitors with us today. Hope you feel at home here among us. And I hope you'll appreciate um, a warm welcome. Sometimes we'll be going for a walk, and Susan will ambush me with this terrifying question. So brace yourselves, because I'm going to ask you this morning. How are you doing spiritually? That's the question. It always fills me with a sense of fear. How am I doing spiritually? It's a brilliant question, because it kind of cuts to the chase of who am I really? And there aren't many people who would ask me that question, and so I'm grateful that Susan does. How are you doing spiritually? Uh, you then have to try and weigh it up, don't you? Do I feel like I'm really doing well at the moment? I'm really passionate about my faith in Jesus, and actually my life really shows loads of his love to the world around me. Or do you feel like, actually, it's a bit of a struggle right now? It's quite tough just keeping going. I feel like I'm clinging on by my fingertips to my faith. And actually, in many ways, I feel like I'm sliding backwards or stuck in a hole. Now, if you do feel that way, I'm going to change gear drastically here. I want you to watch a video that went viral on YouTube about a sheep that got stuck in a hole. There's no sound, okay? So don't worry about that. Uh, it's not very relevant to this clip. Uh, but uh, have a watch and just see if you can relate to this sheep.
I mean, it's that moment, isn't it? I mean, fair play to the boys. They managed to get the sheep out of the ditch. And then he sets off, doesn't he, quite happily. And then there's that moment of leap, of joy, of anticipation. And honestly, it couldn't have done it if it tried, could it? It's then wedged just slightly further down the track from where it was before. Here's the thing. How many of you can relate to that sheep? How many of you know that you've been rescued by the Lord Jesus Christ? That you were stuck in a ditch that you never could have got out of? Stuck in sin and without hope? And he lifted you out and put you on that narrow path. And you started off pretty well. You were focused on the, on the path ahead. It was narrow, but you were okay. You were just keeping going. And it was full of joy and anticipation. And suddenly, leap and whoomph. And you're stuck back in the hole. You're stuck. And you need rescuing all over again. The truth is the Christian life is a series of starts. It's all by grace. We start off and we get stuck. We start off and we get stuck. We start off and we stumble and we fall. And the amazing thing is Jesus comes for us in that hole and he lifts us up and out again and again and again and again until we see him face to face in glory and we won't stumble or fall again. The truth is for some of us, the pandemic's been really hard. Some of you are still coming to terms with how life has changed. Some of you have been through really tough times in your families. Some have been hurt by situations in other churches. Um, others have really struggled with their mental health, just the isolation, working from home, things that don't really suit your personality type. And so we've struggled. Others, just without the props of church and people around them, have just become very focused on things other than Jesus. We've sung, haven't we? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. But the truth is, for many of us, we've just been looking at family and work and leisure activities as a way of kind of breaking the cycle. And actually, our focus hasn't been on Jesus. Other things have become way more important to us um, in these times. And so, when we come to a passage like this morning, I just think it's amazingly good news if when you are asked the question, if you're ambushed by me, how are you doing spiritually, and you think, I could be doing a whole lot better than I am right now. Then this passage, written by the Apostle Paul, who loved ordinary Christians like you and me, is just such good news for us. What this is going to show us is how we can grow in our appreciation of God, our adoration, our love, appreciation of what he's done, and three particular things. It's going to show us how we can grow in our appreciation of God's work in others. All around us, God is at work. And we're going to learn how to appreciate that more. We're going to learn how to appreciate God's goodness to us. He's an incredibly good God. And he's good to us every day. And we're also going to learn about God's power for us. How does he give us the strength to actually keep going in our walk with him? So let's get on to the first one of those. Growing daily in our appreciation of God's work in others. The truth is... Growing an appreciation won't come naturally to most of us. We are a very moany nation. In fact, so much so that recently Direct Line did a survey on how much we moan. I don't know how many have read this. If you haven't, here are the headlines. The average Brit, get this, moans for 10,168 minutes a year. That is, just as I've broken it down, 
170 hours, more or less, of moaning, or seven complete days and nights of non-stop moaning. Well, we, we could do a monathon. You know, we are so good at it. So being negative comes naturally to us. And here's the bad news, people of Bristol. We were number seven on the list for the moaniest people. Number seven. Couldn't believe it. What I couldn't believe even more was the moaniest place in Bristol. Have a think where you think it might be. Most of you have gone north, I know it. Think south. Think Plymouth. Plymouth, what have they got to moan about? They've got lovely seaside. They've got the National Fireworks Festival every year. They should be the happiest people in Britain, but they're not. They're the moaniest. And what is it we moan about? Well, here we go. Number one and two on the list equal politics and the weather. The two things we can moan about nonstop, politics and the weather. But the stat that really got me, the one that really cut me to the heart was this. 86% of women find something irritating about their partner. 86% who were surveyed. And here's the thing that struck me was, what about the rest? Surely, surely everybody finds something irritating about something they spent any length of time with. Anyway, there we are. So this whole idea of appreciation and thankfulness probably isn't going to come naturally to us as people of Bristol. If you come from elsewhere in the world, you may be much better at this than we are. But if you're a proud Bristolian, watch out. It's not going to be straightforward here this morning. We're here, Paul says, to grow in our appreciation of God's work in other people. Look at what the great apostle says in verse 15 and 16. He says, for this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Do you see what Paul says there? He says, as he prays, he's filled with thankfulness, appreciation to God for these folks who live in the area in and around Ephesus. It's a letter that went far and wide. And he says he's full of them, but full of thanks. Well, why? For this reason. Now, some of you who are following in even closer translations will have the word therefore at the start of that sentence. Therefore. What is Paul referring to? Because we've just had three weeks of Simon giving reason after reason after reason for things God's done for his people. What's Paul got in mind here? Well, I think it's actually all of it. Here's the thing. In the original Greek... Verses 3 to 14 are one sentence, and the bit we're looking at this morning is another sentence. Paul just failed his year six grammar exam, but has written something absolutely wonderful for us to learn here this morning. So I think he's thinking about everything Simon said so far. I think he's thinking about, for the reasons that God chose you in eternity past, I give thanks. For the reasons that Christ came from heaven to earth and died on a cross for you that you might be forgiven and set free, I give thanks. For what I can see God's doing among you right now, I give thanks. Look at verse 13. It says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. These Gentile folks have been included in what Jesus Christ has done. How? When they heard the gospel message. 
faith comes through hearing, and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes through hearing then, for these folks in Ephesus, it comes through hearing now to us. And we hear who Jesus is, we hear what Jesus has done, we hear that He rose from the dead, and faith comes as we put our trust in Him. So Paul says, and you were also included when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, when you believed in Him. And then he moves to the future. The next reason is not just what God's done in the past, not what He's doing in the present as He's saving folks through the preaching of the gospel, but also, as you believed, you were marked with Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is what? A deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So he's saying there's a future element as well for which I give thanks. Christ died for you in the past. In the present, He saved you. In the future, He's going to bring you home. And for that reason, I pray with thanks for you. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that horizontal aspect where he knows these people look to Christ and Christ alone to save them, he says, and your love for all God's people. Do you see, faith, trust in Jesus, the main way it's worked out is in love for those around us. The vertical leads to a horizontal change of attitude. As through Jesus Christ, God in heaven becomes our Father, so around you are your brothers and sisters. It's true we're part of a global family. There are brothers and sisters all over the world. But it is way more relevant that we're part of a local family. These are the people you can bless with your words. These are the people you can bless with your actions. These are the people you can invest your life in and help them to grow in godliness. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our church was known as a place where we appreciated God's work in others in this place? Where instead of noticing the things we don't like about one another and those things that irritate us and get under our skin and we find difficult, our first thought was to think, how does that person show me more of Jesus? My first plant was in a, another part of Bristol at a boxing club. Um, hands up who was part of the Riverside. A few of you were. Not many. There you go. You want to ask them all about it. One night, our church was so small, we'd all fit in our front room. And uh, so, after we'd been together for a while, and you might remember this night, we bought postcards. And we put them into a bag, and everyone had a lucky dip. They pulled out a card and had a name on, someone else in the group. And we spent the evening writing down the ways that person showed us more of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great once our refresh groups were established? Once those groups are back together and we know one another better, perhaps just to do something similar again when we say, this is what I see of Jesus Christ in you, my brother, my sister. I've also found it changes the way you pray privately. I don't realize how bad at this I was. This is confession time of your pastor. I, I do try and pray for you all every month, at least once in a month. Um, but here's the thing I realize. I usually pray with problems in mind. I fixate, I look at the back television so I don't look at you directly during this segment. I think of what's happening in your life right now and what your problems might be, and I bring those things to the Lord. And I do believe he helps and he answers prayer. 
But here's what I've tried to do this week and struggle. Before I get to that, I'm trying to say, Lord, thank you for all I see of the kindness of Jesus in this person. All I see of his goodness, his righteousness, his passion. And I so quickly run on to the things I want him to do in your life. And I'm trying to say, no, no, Lord Jesus, help me to pray like Paul does. These people have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's a wonderful thing. They have love for God's people, and that is a wonderful thing. Could you this week discipline yourself and pray that I'd be more disciplined? To pray with thankfulness for one another. When you get together and refresh on Tuesday, it's a hundred of you now signed up. It's the most we've ever had. Would you approach refresh saying, I want to see the life of the Lord Jesus in my brothers and sisters. I'm going to be looking out that night for things I can give thanks for in my heart. Brothers and sisters, we're meant to be together. We're meant to be together to appreciate the work that God is doing in us, ordinary Christians who have Christ in common. So that's the first thing. The second thing here is Paul wants us to grow in appreciation of God's goodness to us. It's not just that God blesses other people. He also blesses us. Did you see that? He says, I keep asking. So it's not something he did once and then gave up. He's disciplined and he's praying. It's a daily thing. I keep asking the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Let's just pause there. You see, what we're coming to here isn't just something that's going to come naturally. We need God to do a work, an ongoing work in us, if we're going to really appreciate and know these things. I keep asking God, he says, for what? He may give you the spirit, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, so you may know him better. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Remember, Paul's writing to Christian folks. These people weren't badly taught. Paul spent two years teaching them, longer than anywhere else. He probably spent a further year with them. Paul had taught these folks well, yet he was saying, you need to know this God better and more, and you can only do it if the Holy Spirit, the Spirit works in your hearts. You need a spirit of wisdom so you can apply these things to daily living, to your marriage, to your parenting, to your singleness, to your work, to your older parents, to others. Daily life, you're going to need a spirit of wisdom to work this out. You're going to need a spirit of revelation. Because some of the smartest people in the world have read this book from cover to cover and have destroyed it. You can go to a university and study theology and you won't meet with the Lord Jesus Christ because your professor doesn't know him. They'll know which is source P and source Q. They'll be able to dissect this down. But they won't know Jesus. So you're going to need a spirit that reveals Jesus to you as you read this word. This can be dry without the spirit of God. Dead without the Spirit of God. But Paul says you can have a spirit of wisdom to help you apply, a spirit of revelation to help you see it. And in your heart of hearts, you can feel this truth burning within you as the eyes of your heart are opened by the Spirit of God. So that's where Paul begins. And then he says there's three ways I want you to learn to walk in wisdom, to see Jesus, and to feel it in your hearts. They are hope, worth, power. Hope worth power. He begins with a hope. Did you see that? I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. 
what's going to happen within our deepest spirit, within, our, within the deepest place within us, in order you may know what the hope to which he's called you. That's Paul's first prayer. You see, he knows that by nature we are people without hope. Just turn the page to chapter 2 and verse 12. Going to be there in a couple of weeks' time. But if you were down to just before verse 13, look at those words there. Paul said, before you met Christ, you were without hope and without God in the world. That's where we begin. But Paul says back in chapter 1, I want you to know that hope, the hope that you have to which he's called you. Because that hope is an amazing thing, isn't it, brothers and sisters? We're not without hope and we're not without God anymore. We have an incredible hope and it's all because of Jesus Christ. The one this world is done with and when Christ comes again, we'll be part of his new creation. And in that place, love will be like breathing. It'll be the oxygen of heaven. We will all love one another without any irritation ever. For 100% of the time, no one will moan at all. It'll be a place without moaning, without disquiet, without discomfort. It'll be a place where actually our hearts are set ablaze with love for Jesus and love for his people, where we will actually be united without any fear of death, without any new diseases coming along, without our mental health ever taking a knock. You'll wake up every morning and say to yourself, I feel great. For some of you, you can't remember the last time you woke up and felt like that. It's I wake up and I ache. I wake up and I feel down. I wake up and I just feel broken. Imagine waking up every day and just thinking, I feel great. I can't wait to see what this day has in store. We've got the wrong idea about heaven. We think it's going to be dull. But it's going to be amazing. This world is a giant signpost that points us forward to the world that is to come. We all have things that we love and enjoy in this world, right? Relationships that are precious and special. Hobbies and activities that we really enjoy. Places we wish we'd visited and gone. Well, a day is coming where time won't be against us anymore. Where we'll be without fear. Where we'll be free. Where we won't sin anymore and instead we'll always be basking in the presence of Jesus and we'll work without frustration. We'll explore the farthest places of the universe without fear. We will love without limit and without exception. And we will do it all with the greatest possible joy because Jesus Christ has a home for those he's called here on earth to enjoy with him forever. So that's the first thing Paul wants us to see here. The second thing here is our worth. So he moves on and says, I pray the eyes of your heart, um, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, may have fresh light in them, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious riches of, here's a surprise, of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So that don't, so that not surprise you, that's where Paul goes next. Here's what I would expect it to say. I'd expect it to say, the hope to which he's called you, the riches of your glorious inheritance as his holy people. Isn't that what we would expect? He's been talking about hope. 
and hopes what we get, right, isn't it, from what Jesus has done for us, wouldn't we expect him then to say, let me tell you more about your inheritance, what you're going to get when Jesus comes again. Isn't that what we expect? Because actually we make everything all about us. And Paul here just says, it's not all about you. Actually, when Jesus Christ comes again, God is going to get the thing that he most wants. He is going to get you. And that should stun you. If you've got any awareness of the gulf there is between you and God. That would be like you inheriting an ant colony from someone except even more extreme. Because the gap between you and an ant is far less than the gap between you and God Almighty. And I, 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 get, I struggle with this so much. It's one of the two things Simon said over the last two weeks that have stayed with me the most. Here's the first, just to fill you in. Other things may have struck you. Other options are available. The first one was this. I hadn't really thought about it much till Simon said how human sin has affected the whole universe. I can accept that human sin affects how I relate to you and you relate to me. When I turn on the news, I can see how human sin is messing up this world. What I didn't really think about till Simon said it was how human sin has actually fractured the whole universe. There isn't a place, be in the known universe and beyond, that hasn't been affected by sin. That's why stars are exploding and black holes are opening up. And this universe actually is breaking down. It's because we sinned. That struck me. But the second thing was what Simon said about us being God's inheritance. You see, I know what a messed up person I am. I know how easy I find it to sin and like that sheep, jump and leap into the ditch I know how limited I am. I'm not even very clever for a human being. And I don't have any major achievements. I'm not particularly talented. I'm not particularly good. And so when I try and get my worth, here's what I do. You're pretty much smarter than me, so you probably don't do this. I look around. And I I figure, how am I doing compared to everyone else around me? You know, am I smart? Am I dashing good looks, holding up? Uh, Whatever. Am I as wealthy? Am I a good pastor? Am I a good dad? Am I a good husband? That's where I look for worth. You know what happens? I'm just an endless disappointment to myself. Because there's only two ways that game ends. In despair, where I often find myself. Or pride. I'm a winner. But you know what we're doing there? We're looking horizontally for something that can only be found vertically. True worth. Brothers and sisters, true worth is only found when you get this. You're part of God's inheritance. And you have worth for one reason and one reason only. And this is it. 
you are loved by his majesty. That's it. And if we teach anything else to our children, if we teach anything else to our grandchildren, we are setting them up for a fall. And if we live that way, if I could live that way for one day, it would change the way I relate to everyone else around me. Paul says, I want you to appreciate God's goodness in giving you real worth. And lastly, he says, I want, to give, he want you to appreciate um, God's goodness in giving you power. Did you see that in verse 19? It says, in his incomparably great power for us who believe. Uh, the amazing thing is, once he hits on that theme, he could just stop there, but he doesn't. And so actually, I've separated this one out because it's almost like a whole section on its own. Paul wants us to appreciate God's power for us in Christ. It's an amazing thing. It's almost like if you like your music, this is almost where Paul gets to that point and then gets out his guitar and breaks into an amazing solo. Or, if that's not your bag at all, and you really like the pipe organ, this is where he actually grabs hold of all of the stops and he just pulls them out to make his point. So, grab your Bible, get ready. What Paul says here, he says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order you may know, what here, the last one, his incomparably great power for us who believe. There really is no other power in the universe like it. That's why Paul says it is incomparable. You can't compare Christ and what he's done to anyone else or anything else in the universe. It is beyond. And then he explains why. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that an amazing thought? That when God put his love upon you, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he filled you with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I don't know about you, but when I look at the empty tomb, I'm amazed and I'm thrilled and I'm thankful. Because in there is my hope. I'm not going to die and rot. But that same power that raised Christ is a work in me and in you if you trust in Jesus. It's coursing through your veins. So we're not just trying hard against the odds. We're not just doing our best. We've been given a gift to enable us and empower us to live for Jesus. It is an amazing thing. And not only has he been raised from the dead, he's been seated at God's right hand. Seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Today, Jesus Christ is God's right hand man, ruling and reigning over all things on his Father's behalf. And what sort of authority does he have? Well, he's far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Did you see that? He's far above. It's not that there are others on his level. It's not that there are others that are even close to his level. When it comes to ruling and reigning over the universe, there is only one at his level, and he is far above everything else in this universe, or rule and power and dominion, any authority, and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. You know what? You can call upon other names for salvation. You could try and call upon the name of Buddha. But if you do, do you know what happens in heaven? Nothing. 
because Buddha's dead. You could choose to call upon the name of Muhammad. You could, and many do. Do you know what happens in heaven as you do? Nothing, because Muhammad is dead. Brothers and sisters, as Amy was calling upon the name of Jesus this morning, do you know what was happening? Heaven's doors swung open, and our hearts were lifted to the throne of grace. Do you know why? Jesus is alive. He's alive. And that changes everything. Absolutely everything. And God has placed all things under his feet. One day he will come again, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And his enemies will acknowledge he is Lord and he is King. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Why all this power? Why a ruler owes over all things? What's the purpose of the power? Did you see that at the beginning and the end of this section? Paul says it twice. Verse 19, and his incomparably great power for what? For us who believe. Do you see that at the end? And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. The church isn't this building. The church isn't buildings around this world. The church is the family of God, his body. And the scriptures say the whole universe exists. This whole story that's unfolding in front of our eyes so that one day everyone would see and acknowledge that God has loved people like you and people like me from around this globe, from Adam and Eve through to the final day. It is an amazing story. The question for all of us is, are you a part of it? You can be here this morning and still not be part of that story, still living for some other king. But the amazing truth is that there is a welcome for people like you and me what God has done for others, he can do for you. His love is great, and so is his power. We used to sing a lovely hymn. Some of you will know it. How good is the God we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend. His love is as great as his power and knows neither measure nor end. For Christ is the first and the last. His spirit will guide us safe home. We'll praise him for all that is past and trust him, trust him for all that's to come. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, these are wonderful truths and we find it so hard to get our heads around them. We're so bound up with things happening here and now that we lose our grip on what you are doing. And Father, we pray this morning you would stir our hearts. Speak to us, Lord, that we might have that spirit of wisdom so we can walk daily in these things. We might have that spirit of revelation so we can see Christ 
more clearly. We may have the eyes of our hearts open so that we would love the things that you love and grow in our appreciation of all that you have done. Dear loving Heavenly Father, meet with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.